On this week's episode of the Superhero Show Show, we'll find out if the Falcon and Winter Soldier continues WandaVision's success, if Justice League's continues DCEU's severe lack of success, and if not watching an episode of X-Men the Animated Series leaves podcasters chippy and pissy. All of that and more on an all-new Superhero Show Show. What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Superhero Show Show, the only show on the internet where we review every live-action television show based on a comic book or a comic book property. My name is Cassie, and I will be the host for this episode. As host, it's my job to take your hands and guide you all through all this overwhelming amount of comic book TV that's out there right now. Don't be afraid, dear listeners. We've got you. We have the light. We will lead the way. We are e- trained experts at this. And I'm saying we because I've brought some some friends along to help me out. Uh, first off, let me introduce Ryan. Hi, Cassidy. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, we've talked about before how the quarantine is over as far as comic book TV goes. But now we fucking mean it. It's yeah. all the way back. It's I was not prepared. You like before you guys always mentioned how like it gets absolutely insane and I was not ready for this level of insanity. This is entirely this has to be the most you guys have ever done, I feel. There was too much this week. No, we at one I'm Mike. At one point there was 13 shows a week. Uh insane. that's how we we lost a lot of good panelists that year. To <laughs> <laughs> the 13 shows. I you, kind of wish that they hadn't figured out how to film in quarantine that's where i'm at right now (laughs) it was like for so long we were desperate for content we were watching old version of the hulk we were scraping anything we can the crypt keeper we tried so many things and now look at us now so many versions (laughs) of the crypt keeper including the crypt keeper game show i totally forgot about that (laughs) this is why cassie this is why in our uh text feed mike and i get so excited when a show even if we love it gets canceled (laughs) <laughs> I, I know you were thinking like, no, oh, that's weird. I thought they liked that show. But no, we just need less. It's the feed. It's hurting our marriages. <laughs> just a little insight into the feed. Um, it's either it's either like, yes, the show got to like canceled or uh, sometimes a feed will come out with a huge announcement of shows that's coming up. And it's just like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. or, or poop updates. Or Mike poop and I updates. will update the three of us on our poop. <laughs> I keep telling you guys, I don't want those. You keep ignoring me. I'm going to leave the chat, and the show will be left up to disaster if I get another poop comment. Um, but I guess we do We do have a very big episode. I guess we should probably just go ahead and get to it, because we're going to start this off. This is how insane it is. We're starting it off with a Justice League conversation. Then we're following it up with a Falcon and Winter Soldier. And, like, I don't know, 25 shows we're covering in the poll list. It's insane. <laughs> Let's go ahead and go to it, starting off with the Justice League. <laughs> In 2017, Zack Snyder, who at the time, for better or worse, was the main architect of the DCEU, left making their version of Avengers, Justice League, because of family issues. Joss Whedon took over, and I think it's important to note that at the time Whedon was brought in to work his Marvel magic, but instead continued his reign of abusive terror. 
The movie sucked and flopped. And internet children blamed Whedon and not Snyder, nor DC's rush to do everything Marvel did in a quarter of the time as the reason. These same internet children wrote forum comment after forum comment until fledgling streamer HBO Max, a borderline flop itself, had no choice but to give Zack Snyder $70 million and debut Zack Snyder's Justice League on their app. Snyder took the opportunity to take it from a two-hour summer blockbuster to a four-hour opus. As three people who have lives and don't care... We're not going to review the whole thing today, but instead are going to review sections at a time over the course of the next four weeks, proving that we don't have lives and actually do care. The first two chapters of ZSJL explore the ramifications of Superman's death scream throughout the DC world, along with Steppenwolf's attempt to take the non-Infinity Stones for not Thanos. Taste buds, I understand that this is only act one of a giant epic, but based on what we've seen, do we understand why Snyder was given this chance to prove us all wrong? No. no. It was all I kept asking <laughs> repeatedly. I asked it so many times. It, it, it was like my mantra going through my head. And then sometimes it, I would just scream it out. Like, why Why did we have to, why did we get this? Why was your this scream happening? like Superman's? It just wouldn't end? Yeah, <laughs> it, it echoed throughout the land. <laughs> I can't it, believe it went into other WB properties, right? Like Harry Potter was like, felt the scream oh, a little shit. bit. Matthew McConaughey from running. A Time to Kill was like, oh, God. <laughs> That's a great Matthew McConaughey impression. It, man, the problem, like, whatever. I'm going to try not to just bash on Snyder, who's only ever made one good movie, and it's the one that he also didn't write. Having his vision is interesting. We've only seen an hour of it. It is already better than Joss Whedon's Justice League. But, man, are restrictions important. Editing is so good, guys. And it's so important. I don't, nobody, I don't want to see a four-hour version of anybody's anything ever see the fact that we're taking this part by part right and so we're gonna do two chapters a week for the next month that does allow us time to get a little more granular and Mm -hmm. uh talk about details that we wouldn't have time to do if we were doing it all this week but the other part is that it does make it complicated to review as a whole because we haven't seen it as a whole so keep in mind that i could eat my words over the coming episodes of our podcast but i would say that Although I think that Joss Whedon's Justice League is a, a really bad movie. I would say that in a lot of ways, this is infinitely worse. And it's because there is no, there's no like, uh, I don't know, spotlight. There's no attention paid to what it's like to actually tell a story. Right. And mm-hmm. I, I realized that what was going on in this hour, the thing that makes it so interminable, although you, you may not notice it because uh, each individual scene is decent, is that um, it, it reminded me a lot of episode nine of Star Wars where we didn't take the time to tell our story correctly over the course of many movies like we should have. So we're <laughs> just going to jam uh, climaxes and uh, action points and plot lines of seven different movies right. all together <laughs> in this hour. There's no telling when the story begins or starts or those are the same word, but like it's so <laughs> hard to watch. I would love if there were climaxes or action points in this first hour it, it, it because it doesn't have the pacing of a movie or of a tv show we don't have that every 15 minutes there has to be some sort of cool bruce wayne doing sweet batman moves it is it's so weird for snyder to do this version because he he has said where he looks at them as gods which a lot of people that's the difference between marvel and dc right it's people versus gods but it's, i mean nothing... that's proof that Zack snyder is on paper the right guy for dc and not marvel but 
often the the gods they mean like Zeus had character traits. Like Zeus, like the like finding the humanity in the gods is what's interesting. It's so weird to like have these deep quote unquote in another movie you would call character moments and have nothing to say about their characters. It's really it's a weird move, guys. <laughs> it's it's weird that we spent so like you know they had to spend so much time to give us like essentially seven stories in this one and that's why it's so long but there's also the choice of him to just stay on scenes for so long like just panning across the city takes like two minutes and i'm like we we got it we see it it's okay you can move on like every scene is even elongated more that's, than it needs to be. That's the exact kind of shit that i know that every movie especially a movie in this genre and with this budget films but then loses. And right. it was almost like, well, if we're going to, let's make this four hours. So we're going to use literally everything. Those scenes like Cassie just described are sprinkled out throughout a movie when the audience might need a break or, um, you know, like we're going to uh, just stall for a second so we can pick up something new. But to put them all in, the thing that was ba- even more baffling than that is so I get all of those cities scapes and why they were filmed and just not used initially. And now they're here for some reason. But the the stuff that I don't I have no idea why it was filmed. We have a in the first chapter we have a ten minute song of women singing at the sea after Aquaman leaves. Yes. <laughs> why was that even shot written or yeah. shot in the first the, place? The much less included here. Kind of well, uh, Aquaman has historically had zero fucking connection to Nordic shit. So why not just make why? the most? <laughs> yeah. So in the first hour, we only meet three of the. Justice League. Three it's, of them. It's Batman, uh, Wonder Woman, and then Aquaman. And Aquaman is mostly twice he says no and drinks and dives into the ocean. I don't know what his clothes budget are, but he constantly okay. just rips off a shirt and then dives into the ocean. <laughs> but not the pants, gotta, though. Not the pants. And I don't understand. So he, like, you know, he always saves somebody and comes on land. He's dry. And then he only rips off, like, he doesn't take off his shirt once he comes from the land. It's only when he goes into the land and he leaves his clothes. It's infuriating. And in that long 10-minute... Nordic women singing. He just throws his cool sweater behind him, knowing they're nice going to pick it up. You could have folded it, man. You know they're going to get it. They like worship you, I guess. <laughs> Don't be an asshole. He's so rude. And the other time, he doesn't close the door when he walks drinking into the storm. And so the storm mm-hmm. blows into the tiny bar of a different Nordic village. He's a mean guy. I don't want to broke the bottle right by the shore. That glass is going to go right into the ocean. That's, that's his literary territory. <laughs> that's going to hurt your fish, bro. Bro, uh, that song. Talking. Let's just sit on songs for a second. The second Aquaman song. There's this slow the song. The second Aquaman song of the first hour is the, the thing. The first that you're one is about. diegetic. The second one is non-diegetic. It's this slow song, and there's lyrics like literally, "There is a king, and he is everything." Played it like Jeff Buckley slow speeds. Zack Snyder <laughs> definitely thinks the slower anything is, visuals or music, uh, the more like impactful it is. And no, not at all. And the so since we're on music, the most confusing thing is Wonder Woman Stinger that plays like it's already seen oh, with her and will cut to somebody else. <laughs> and it keeps going. And it has to start over every time we see her again. She's already been in the scene. We've already heard the stinger, but the camera goes away for two seconds, goes back to her, and then it starts back up again. It's insane. I think Wonder Woman is the most interesting part of this first hour. Not, like, interesting to watch. <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, for our purposes right now, because the most successful DC movie on a lot of levels, uh, quality and you know, box office and everything, is Wonder Woman. And it's because... It was one of the things that got uh, mostly, you know, except for the 
notorious third act mostly got away from Zack Snyder's style of filmmaking and gave us so many character beats. Right. You put now Zack Snyder has his hands on Wonder Woman, and so not only do we lose all of that, but I also think the action is worse. I think that the director of uh, Wonder Woman was so much better at uh, like placing the camera and showing us how Wonder Woman does action. This this thing looks cheap and it's out of focus and it doesn't it doesn't really allow us to feel like we're there. So Her, even the thing that he's good at, he's right. bad at. Her bank saving scene, which I guess is like the biggest act, the big action. Other, we'll get to the PlayStation cutscene later, but this is the biggest action piece, other than the CGI thing. Uh, it's it's like he took everybody. Like there, there's the era, the early 2000s action of like Transformers and some of uh, Daniel Craig's Bonds. Or I'm going to shake this camera so much you can't see what's going on. And it's born. like he was like, no, I'm going to show you everything, but do it slow. So it's like we've watched a lot of hand to hand combat. And Arrow does it on a shoestring budget awesomely because they just choreograph good fights. And instead of doing that, he had Diana move. All of his heroes apparently are the Flash because they slow time down. <laughs> uh, and it, it's it's baffling. It's ba- it, None of it looks cool because she's just going so slow. The whole scene, if you did that and then sped it up, that would some sort of tension could be made there. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll it's- get to this later today in the show, but... It was so everything in this first hour was so outmatched by one scene in our the next show that we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's it was I, I just can't I can't understand why we have this and why it's pulled off. There's some people who are like enjoying this and that's what all I could like my mantra was why and how are people enjoying this? Cause I think that there's people who like brooding. They they I guess there's people like Snyder who think the slower something is the more epic it is. I I think there is so many kinds of jokes that aren't Whedon-esque. To remove all levity and not put in your own sucks, man. But he, I, like, I do think that he thinks it's a waste of time, though. You know, like, it, it might just be that he's not capable of it. But it's also, uh, why would you have that? And there's a reason. Like, I mean, we talk about a lot on our other show that there's jokes in Schindler's List. Like, right. like you need stuff to break the tension, and it can't just be. Ah! It makes the yeah that doesn't it breaking the tension makes the tension hit more right otherwise it goes away the funniest joke in this first hour I don't think is intended and it's hit twice and it speaks so the, the the mother's box where everybody just has the scent of mother's box all over them we get three chunks uh, in the beginning we see one mother box with Atlantis one mother box. Uh, with Themyscira and another mother box just in a college kid's dirty closet. That could be funny if it was shot as funny. Instead, he just thinks it's as cool and epic. Well, the other thing, the other thing too, is that when they initially split him up hundreds of years ago or whatever. Right. Uh, oh, is that what you're getting to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. you can tell it. Um, Atlantis and the Amazons, they, uh, the Atlanteans and the Amazons, they go through so much shit to cure this box forever. Saw level traps plus magic. <laughs> like, and yeah. the humans all gather together and like, we will dig a hole four feet deep. Yeah, and not even, <laughs> not even the depth you would bury a body at. It's bare minimum effort put into there. Oh man! But there are insane. no signs that like that is shot. Like that, there's any levity around that. That no. like, yeah. it's not, it's not making a joke or even a point as to. How humans suck. I think, go back to Cassie, but you asked about people's reactions to this, too. I think that so many people, and if you if you disagree with us, if you have a podcast and you're good at talking and you disagree with us, come on, email us. And mm-hmm. like, because I, I do want to talk to somebody who is a DC fan, a Snyder fan, and also like this. But I think 
my dumbass thinks that it's too many people are pot committed. Too many people <laughs> said that they wanted it, screamed that they wanted it, and therefore were sort of forced to like it, you know? Otherwise, they look yeah. stupid. But but that's going back to, like, it doesn't have to be Marvel to be good. There are some issues, very few with what Marvel does, but, like, Batman 1989 doesn't have Marvel vibes on it. Uh, the, the Nolan, the first two Nolan movies, which are good, don't have Marvel vibes and are still good. Like, you cannot be Marvel. You don't have to be the anti-Marvel to make your point. I do I do sort of feel like, though, that because of both sidesism, um, when we talk about uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I have to, like, shit talk a little bit. Just just yeah. so I, I don't like, so <laughs> if you're this, you're good, and if this, you're bad. But yeah. I even, uh, well, the first Wonder Woman is awesome, and I enjoyed, like, the stupid Sahara-style romp of Aquaman, and it, it had its own thing. That is not this. This mm-hmm. fucking brooding Marilyn Manson bullshit. <laughs> yeah. We're we're almost out of time for this segment. Uh, do you want to talk about that PlayStation cutscene real quick, though? Because I adore it. Yeah, so, yeah. So, r- 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 the, the second Mother's Box uh, thing that Ryan talked about is at the end of this 15 minute, we, we really do get a PlayStation 2 cutscene. And it's specific places that I try to figure out what era of video game cutscenes this was. Everything's human. <laughs> and then Wonder Woman starts telling Bruce the history of Mother's Box. And then it just goes back, and even the humans are CGI'd in a way that, like, their faces are sort of rectangular at times. It is. I get that seventy million isn't as much as he would needed. I would just cut this fifteen-minute chunk of the movie out. We yes. don't need to see Darkseed wiping everybody out like that. Hey, there's parts of this that you would cut out. That's a fucking insane idea, Mike. I, I bet there's a lot of parts that one would cut out of a four-hour movie to make it an actual story. <laughs> I, right. Do you think part of the problem is Zack Snyder's uh, producer, where I think a producer would often tell a director to rein it in, is his wife, and so to not have family fights on set, <laughs> she's just like, do whatever you want, I'm done. Dude, I saw that pop up on the screen, and I was like, oh no, oh no, you can't. <laughs> and then I saw why you cannot. It's too much. Um, we are almost out of time, though, so next week we'll see. We might have to eat our words. It might pick up on these other halves. We'll sure. s- we'll see coming up. Yeah. Who knows where this could go? What's great is part one, the first two chapters do end with a cliffhanger. Diana asking what all of us is on all of her mind. She says, the others, where are they? So maybe finally we'll get to see the rest of the Justice League. And once they're there, maybe the dynamic picks up. It it. it has potential i guess let's uh we'll see you're so full of shit you're like you barely got that sentence out (laughs) oh man all right next we got to go to our main event where we're talking about falcon and winter soldier just a scant week since the finale of wandavision left us all realizing the need for more marvel content disney plus gives us the falcon and the winter soldier in the same week that Zack snyder's justice league came out no less In the first episode of the six-hour movie, there is no Falcon and Winter Soldier, but instead we see the two non-caps dealing with life post-Steve, post-Blip, post-Brainwashing, post-Bank Loan, post-Therapy, and poster. There are a lot of posters of Cap. Taste Buds, I ask you this. The show has been getting a lot of shit for nothing happening. Did this work as a first act of a story, or do we now expect more, quote-unquote, stuff from our Disney Plus shows? I, it was... Never going to live up to what WandaVision did because WandaVision created its own weird corner and vibe. But fuck everybody. It's once again because people were mad that WandaVision theories didn't live up to what they expected. And because this isn't exactly what they thought it would be in the first hour, they're little whiny babies. Uh, And maybe that sounds hypocritical because we just tore apart the first hour of Justice League. (laughs) But the slow down sitting time, these characters, I actually 
know what Sam and Bucky are going through right now and what their motivations are versus that hour of boring Justice League. I cannot agree and say that about those characters. Oh, uh, so you're saying that you sympathize? I thought that you were saying that you empathize. Like I know what they're going through because I've gone through all of this, everything that they're both going through. I have gone through before. So yes, I I've it. I've lied to my therapist about nightmares and PTSD and uh, all that what I actually people I murdered, and I didn't get a bank loan because of my melanin. <laughs> But it does, like, I'm with you on that, Mike. And it, it felt like, I know nothing happened, but I do feel like we needed this introduction to these characters because we know of them, but we don't know them, like, personally because there's so many other mm. big ones in these shows that we got. So now we, we get, like, their personalities and see what they're going through. So I do feel like it was needed. And it was enough to get their personalities, like, that I felt like it was enough. I think that a big goal for this episode would be to, you know, sort of introduce a villain. And I know that the big villain of the show was... You saw his name in a book, but was not actually introduced in this episode. Um, but I want to see how, like, going back to the Zack Snyder conversation, how were both of these characters funny? And I don't think that the Falcon or Sam was particularly funny in this episode. He has a couple of lines that uh, sort of show off his, like, Tom Cruise meets Will Smith kind of star yeah. personality, you know? Um, but I thought that uh, Sebastian Shaw and... Uh, Bucky Barnes, a character who is traditionally not funny, had some good delivery here. Like I feel like we got to know him better, and that was key. Right. And what's awesome about that is Bucky in the first Avenger does have that. And so this Mm -hmm. is showing him, when he's not brainwashed, when he's not in the middle of running and fighting for his life, the real Bucky is still there. Yeah, and but uh, but he's not and cracking we'll jokes. Only ever be friends with old people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's get to that in a second. But he's not out there cracking jokes. He just he has like a roll your eyes over it all sensibility that's due to his age and his experience that yeah. uh, makes him more likable. The fact that the only person he can relate to is somebody who is also 106. Yeah, is fucking gold. <laughs> but and and going back to the Sam. So we've seen Sam. He's quippy when he's surrounded by the Avengers because he has that Spider-Man thing, I'm going to quip to get confidence, Mm -hmm. right? That's what it's seen here. What I liked is him interacting with his sister. She's like, fuck your B-list celebrity bullshit. (laughs) She hates it. So it's not just like, that's how he is. She sees through it. And so that is another character trait building. It's not like, oh my God, you're Britney Spears. I'm enamored of you, even though you're my brother. It's like, dude, you're Rebecca Black. Shut the fuck up. You're on such a low level. Who cares? (laughs) I think that's what saved it for me because if we would have got just like I did like seeing that like Falcon is more like the confidence that he has when he's like in a fight and everything and to see that Falcon persona but when he's Sam it was his family life with his sister to just see like I don't know if he's the older younger brother but it was like a younger brother getting shit on the whole time and I was like that's realistic there you go and getting punched way harder than he thought he would be (laughs) he did (laughs) but I I, what like they haven't planned it out but their dynamic has changed because i think he went away for five years and she did not mm-hmm. so either they are way closer in age than they ever were before whether one used to be older or not and she is like he's used to being a hero and he's trying to tell her what she can do and she's like i have a family i live here fuck off and i do like that so like we know bucky's flaws he was a brainwashed russian assassin but and not handsome enough and he's just not handsome enough. We haven't gotten Sam's flaws in the previous movies, and I do like digging this in. Is like he, I think him and Rhodey are very comparable because they're in the shadow of a bigger uh, Avenger. But it's also like they're cool stories. The other Avengers will roll their eyes out, so they will tell them as loud as possible to the normal people. <laughs> the the other thing too, and like I, I have to assume that there's going to be a lot more Don Cheadle. Like they didn't bring him back just yeah. for these two mm-hmm. scenes. But the other thing that was so great about that is. 
Don Cheadle is obviously older, uh, or Rhodey is obviously older and mm-hmm. has more experience in a lot of ways, both as a superhero and not. And you know, like that 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 chills down the brashness. You know that yeah. that cools down the uh, the expectancy or like the the your this need to like fix everything. Rhodey doesn't have that anymore. Rhodey can sort of sit back and be like a, a veteran leader. Uh, yeah. Sam still has it, and I think that's what we're going to deal. Both of like the whole show is clearly going to be a, uh, about proving that they're their own. Both of the both Bucky and Sam are their own men. One of the things I've seen as a critique is uh, they're, they're too much in the shadow of Captain America. That feels like the, the theme point of, the of the whole show. show. So what are you talking about? I, my biggest problem with Cheers is that like it's all it's in a bar. Like what are we doing? <laughs> And then everybody knows their name. It's infuriating. Uh, it does. I do like what they're doing is like dealing with like we get to see what it was like dealing with the blip for the people that was left behind and the afterbacks mm-hmm. like them not getting alone because they had no income for five years. And they were like, yeah, I straight up wasn't here. But like it's like yeah. insane stuff that probably would happen. And you get to see like now you see the side like what trickled down from the blip. So, yeah, yeah basically this- Endgame, Spider-Man 2. WandaVision and now Falcon and Winter Soldier, they all, it wasn't the main focus, but they all hit mm-hmm. on the fact that that was fucking crazy, you guys, and mm-hmm. shit right. went down. And th- this is like the, so I guess Endgame is post blip, but Endgame, they're dealing with an apocalyptic battle. Spider Man 2, they're like, well, let's deal with it, but let's have fun as quick as possible. So they didn't really want to deal with it. WandaVision was such a small neighborhood and dealing with her grief that it didn't deal with it. They, this does feel like the first time they're digging into the, Global ramifications mm-hmm. of what this would do is there there are institutions that are ruined. There are people who, but the flag smashers liked that all bureaucracy kind of died, so they got to do whatever they wanted. And I I get the I I think this is Marvel keeps pushing the villains you can sympathize with. I understand the anti flag because I listened to them in high school, like the anti flag attitude. Uh, fuck your nationalism all of that that makes a lot of sense to me and so once again people would be like the flag smashers are right but it's like but they still are murdering their way to get to there and that like so good goal bad tactics that's interesting there's something about this type of terrorism that even when it seems like it's anti you know nationalist or even anti-racist it actually is nationalist and racist in some way they always find some people Mm -hmm. to oppress the other thing too is that we can't go from Thanos to immediately to Galactus or a right. crazy thing, Dark Side. What if now he's just coming to take over the MCU? <laughs> you know, when like when everything is the end of the world, we complain that <laughs> that uh, we need like it's it it yeah nothing is basically, and we need smaller stakes. Now we have smaller stakes. We've gone from the ribeye to the filet mignon, and uh, this it, in order to do that, it is going to feel slower sometimes. You know. Mm-hmm. It's, so we just have to we have to understand that this is not Galactus coming. This is a this is a story of two bros trying to find their way in the world. Yeah, and and I we sound so actually, apologetic. We're so fucking Marvel and not DZ. <laughs> but no, the, the, I I think the little it's it's their pacing, man, and it matters. And the action we got in this one, the just classic Marvel action going through that canyon, Sam versus other people on pair on wings. Uh, was fun and awesome, and then using violence with purpose. So that was the fun and awesome. When uh, Torres, Sam's like guy in the chair, 
when he decides to just check out the flag smashers, when his face gets kicked in, that violence worked. Yeah. Not in a violence is awesome way. That was a brutal crunch. I thought he was dead. Yeah. Yeah. No, he just broke his ocular bone. I thought he was going <laughs> to he was going to get fridged for Sam to like mm-hmm. try to grab the shield or whatever. Do you know who he is in the comics, Ryan? Uh-uh. Or Cassie, I'm sorry. Just I know you don't read the comics. So no, that was a fair question. I do not. <laughs> uh, he's the second Falcon from the 2015 run. Oh, oh yeah, uh, yeah, 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 an yeah. Evil scientist Doctor Moreau's him with a parrot or something, and what? then he gets <laughs> actual avian abilities. Oh, shit, and like that was that was awful to read because he had bird eyes, and humans oh. with bird eyes are fucking horrifying. <laughs> Birds suck, man. Birds are awful. <laughs> it's the worst. I love dinosaurs. I hate what they've become. <laughs> I do. We they do got to talk about. Um, I want to talk about Bucky's best old man friend, and like, even though we have this joyous friendship, we still have to have poor Bucky's going through it. And then he discovers that uh, he has murdered his best friend's son, and <laughs> it's so brutal to add this on to this poor man. How did I not see this coming, guys? I'm so stupid. I get so sucked up in these shows, and I don't put together that. There's rarely ever any Asian characters on anything that we watch. So, of course, if we see one and then later we see another, there's got to be some relation somewhere. This twist, uh, when Bucky looked in the back of the old man's room and saw the shrine to the old guy's son that Bucky murdered as the Winter Soldier, I was like, oh, no, no, Bucky, my buddy. (laughs) But it's it's not – Bucky wasn't surprised there. He is best friends with – Yeah, but he's best friends with Yori. Because he's he's in his three step version of a twelve step. I used to be an assassin program, <laughs> and he can't say I did this. So he instead he became friends with this old guy. Mm-hmm. So that's why all of their interactions are I, that that reveal worked because all their interactions before that you're like oh that's I thought it was just weird because anytime you hang out with an old person and you're on other young people you're like I gotta apologize for them so soon and that's tense. But there's another layer of tension of I murdered your son, yeah. uh, which means. Yori had a son so old already because this dude's <laughs> old as fuck. <laughs> but Yori is such a good friend. They really brought it home. He even set him up on a date and we got oh, a little date. Oh, yeah. spitting game back and forth for sure. <laughs> it was so good. I love I love just the little minutia between getting like everything about these people. I do want Bucky to... Uh, that date. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to the actress who plays Bucky's uh, therapist. Like uh-huh. it, the, the, the camera work is... They're going for a thing in that therapy session. That camera work is weird. How zoomed in can we get? Yeah. And, (laughs) you know, I get that they're trying to mix it up or whatever, have one scene stand out. But what what that meant is that we didn't see her face for a long time. Character actress whose name I'll look up when you guys start talking. But uh, at the second I heard her voice, I was like, oh, uh, Raymond's rival and everybody loves Raymond. Uh, I think Neil's mom in Freaks and Geeks and uh, Hank Kingsley's rabbi and Larry Sanders, like, this actress has just been in every great show of all time. Alice Baxter and Working Girl. Alice Baxter and Working Girl, of course. She's all, all the hits. Her name is Amy Aquino. Yeah, she rules. She was. And I do like the vibe that she's bringing as a therapist where she, like, I think she straight up said to, like, cut the shit at some point, which, yeah. you know what, mm-hmm. is needed. And the music, Note the to pal- therapists. More therapists should be like her instead of telling your clients everything they're doing is right and everybody else must be wrong well i feel like the therapists are therapists worried about losing clients and therefore they sort of kiss the dick of their patients when they should be (laughs) trying to fix them because i i loved even though that camera work was kind of wonky in that scene 
um, how there was as much tension paid to uh, Sam flying through helicopters and dodging missiles as there were to her grabbing her pen and about to be writing in her notebook. <laughs> I, I do like a thing normal therapists do all the time. Bucky sees it as him yeah. getting failing marks no, in the therapy no, session. Like, no. don't grab the pen. Come on. I thought we were cool. Come on. And um, every time she reached for it, just in the background. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> Man, no stingers in this one. Shout out to that. Uh, we do have, you guys mentioned we didn't see the big bad, but we do have that guy in the mask at the end. Um, is that like, you're saying that's not going to be, is that he just like some of the anti-flaggers or? If you look at the poster, you'll see there's a name in Bucky's book. And if you look at the poster, you'll see uh, a guy from Winter Soldier. Civil War. Mm-hmm. Civil War, I'm sorry. One of the guys from Civil War is back here as the main bad. Okay, all right. We think it's the main bad. Who knows? It probably is. It makes the most sense of it. Yeah. But we did um, the ending like scene of us getting a new Captain America. And when we saw... Him, oh, this doofer? This dude who has <laughs> the most punchable face. Like he, They found the dude who I would want to punch in the face just looking at him. And they put him in the Captain America suit. It was insane. And this His is- ears pop like a cruel helmet maker <laughs> made this for him. <laughs> this is like a future Pop Filter Hall of Famer, right? Like This is... Me and Mike, he's, one of me and Mike's favorite actors. He's so <laughs> handsome, and he is such a good actor. But now I know why he always has scruff to a long beard because <laughs> it really hides his chin and ears. Do you know what my wife said when she saw it? Because she doesn't know, you know, she doesn't follow all the news that we do. She was like, "Is fucking is fucking Bo Burnham Captain America?" <laughs> Well, that would have been such a choice and so good. I would watch the you shit out of that. Rapping with a keyboard. Uh, but yeah, just being able, the choice to make it where we saw Sam watching that live too and cutting to him was like, honestly, like kind of got me a bit. I felt so bad for this dude and his choices. And we'll not, we won't talk shit, even though we would if it was DC. We won't talk shit on the fact that his sister runs in and says, hey, I think that there's something that you're going to want to see in five minutes <laughs> if I turn the news on right now to the specific channel. Yeah. Did she read TV Guide and it said New Captain America announcement? Because yeah. it should have been like halfway through the thing. Mm-hmm. She did just seem to have a permanent. She saw the dude and was like, oh, no. Oh, no. I know who, what this is going to be. Which is- <laughs> that guy whose hand you shook at the beginning of the episode is on TV. Want to watch? <laughs> and- I know. I would say that like pitch perfect acting of the week was Anthony Mackie right there seeing because it wasn't just a new Captain America. The guy had the shield that or that Sam just put into the museum, right. and Sam's look of like uh, you know like questioning and fear, but also fuck, I should have kept that shield. Like now uh-huh. I can't go and say you know what, never mind, I want that back. He gave it up, and then of course two days later they found something else to do with it. Anthony Mackie is a is a, is a great actor, and I hope this gives him more range than the other Marvel stuff he's done is. But like so much like personal emotions in there and racial emotions in there, like it all flashed across his face of like, oh, military, you didn't say I should be Captain America because I'm not. That all of that went through his fucking eyes. Do you guys think that because Sebastian Shaw is basically does look like a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant? Do you think that what an all alternate name for the show could be ant mac and the wasp you know yes. i think it was That's probably what we'll call it <laughs> it was probably right up there they probably just knocked it off on a bracket um that is all What's the... it like dealing with that curse of a brain <laughs> that has to... <laughs> the it's not as bad as it is for you guys to deal with it <laughs> we are out of time though um we got to go to the pool list uh that's coming up right now 
are back for the pull list. But before we get to that, during that break, I had inspiration struck me, you guys. And I, I got to come to you before we get to all these shows. I know we got a lot to talk about. I need your help because I think what's going to get me on board with uh, the Snyder Cut is if I just make a website where I detail, I'm just going to like type it out. I'm going to make this huge long page. It's a four hour movie. I'm going to write down scene by scene what it is. I'm putting the script up how I would interpret it. And I think that's going to like get more people on board, get the buzz talking about it. And um, I'm just going to go on WordPress and type up one huge doc, no breaks, just a huge paragraph of what this is. How do you guys think that'll look? So the Cassie cut. The Cassie cut. The Cassie cut or the Snyder cut. Yeah, I think that as a as far as a website idea goes, it's uh, one of the worst I've ever heard. Okay, but well. uh, it doesn't have to look like shit. It doesn't have to function like shit, Cassie. It, yeah. What if it looked and functioned well, and then your shitty idea was just on its own merits? Then I mean, uh, I could see the balance. Like that is the issue with the Snyder Cut is like you know it doesn't look good and it is bad content. So I guess if I have the bad content, at least it looking good, it would help. This. Yeah. Because like. It, it does feel like this is a passion project for you, Cassie. So you mm-hmm. don't want to get bogged down. You don't want to deal with things. That you don't want to deal with security. Like, heaven forbid your site gets hacked. You don't want to deal with the maintenance of the backups or speed optimization. You know people are going to want to upload those wall-to-wall text as fast as possible. You need a partner who's going to handle all that little stuff for you. The other mm-hmm. thing, too, is the, the goal-driven design. Like, whenever we get to the part of your website that is just the giant batch of text, that's not going to look great. But the steps that we take on the website to get to there, I think, can be designed very, very well. Mm-hmm. Okay, you Elegantly, guys... almost with like a digital strategy in mind. But I'm sure, Cassie, you're saying, like, oh, no, this is going to break the bank if I partner with somebody like this. It is, man. This is sounding like, what was the budget for Snyder Cut? Like, $8 million? I, can't, I don't have this. $70 million on top of however many numerous <laughs> On top millions. of $200 million. <laughs> But, yeah, I don't, I don't have those pockets, so I can't be paying the, the, that. This won't. Yeah, you only wear pocketless pants, which is mm-hmm. a weird move. Uh, well, I have a. I, I know what you should do, Cassie. Yeah, Ren, what's up? Apply for a bank loan. No. Get like, that two hundred seventy million dollars. There was five whole years where I didn't work because I just wanted to explore. So I don't think it's going to go well for me. Cassie Davis was denied a bank loan. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, I, I think uh, you. You there. There. There's a cheaper option, but just because it's cheap does not mean it's cheap in quality. Cassie, you gotta get. To cybersprout.net. The team over there, they're going to hook your shit up. All right. I wrote it down. I'll be going to them. Be on the lookout for Cassie Cut and the Snyder Cut. It's going to be huge. Um, now, thank you for your help. I do want to get to this pull list, though, because there is a lot to talk about. So the first show we're talking about this week is Winona Earp. This week on Winona Earp, it's Halloween and Purgatory, which, of course, we all know means Rotten Jack is on the prowl. The demon bartender is leading a virtual betting ring on his next victims. Waverly and Winona get their minds wiped and stumble through town, much to the chagrin of everyone. Meanwhile, Jeremy is dealing with black badge politics. Taste buds ask you this. We talked about this a bit last week, but does it seem at this point like Winona Oprah is toying with our expectations on purpose? As far as, like, where's our countdown to the end? This is even less of a countdown than last episode. <laughs> Honestly, bro, if I could be honest with you, bro... Can I be honest with you? Bro? You can. I'll okay. allow it. Um, I was super jacked. I, a, a show like Winona is a show like Legends, where we care less about the overarch, and we just want right. to watch these characters be funny. Um, so last week, I didn't mind at all. This, I think this is, was a stinkeroo. I think that yeah. the, the Rotten Jack the, was... I thought that was okay, uh, just because I love the nonchalance of him murdering people, and then also the victim's nonchalance. 
Like, yeah. he kills uh, he kills a mom, and uh, the mom's like, I had a cake in the oven. Yeah, and that, that was down. very funny. Uh, but the, the premise of Waverly and Winona losing their memory had the had the like the stink of a really good Winona premise, but it just didn't click all the way. And whatever well, I think was, it was the chaos. Sorry, keep going. Well, and then we'll get to Jeremy in a second after you're done. Uh, that the black badge shit was bonkers. But yeah, let's let's go with why and way. The the black badge, like we haven't seen it in long enough to care a lot other than Jeremy's there, but he's acting so not Jeremy. But yeah, it's how they lose. They're, they have a mission they barely understand from Black Badge. And then a guy that I guess was in the Chili Cook-Off episode, this stony, camper-living townie, wipes their mind and that's not explained. And then they wander around town like and act like if they were on a Nickelodeon show for a while as they're trying to figure out who they are. But it, it, it's, it's, it's not as... like It didn't seem like they lost their memories because that's not how you would act. And... I guess they were, yeah, like a Nickelodeon show. They were they were reverted to a younger age, but that was never explained. It just seemed like we thought this would be fun, but we didn't actually think it out. Yeah, and and to make it, they they don't know demons are exist anymore, so they start running from Doc when they see his fangs, and to make Rotten Jack, I guess, more of a threat than he would be. It was all it was like too much kitchen sink. Like if if just the demon bartender running a betting pool of who Rotten Jack will go after next. I'm in. That sounds pretty interesting. But for him to be like, it's them, even though they just fucked, like, it it felt like a different a different writing staff was told about the show yes. and wrote this episode. Very good. Mike. Uh, th- that, I mean, the, the bad guy, Eamon, Eamon, is a good example, too, because that's what did feel like there's a countdown to the end in a bad way. That guy was on the sidelines as sort of like this sort of friend, sort of villain, mm-hmm. like half friend, half enemy. And an and end. And an end. And an end. Um, and then they just rushed him right to being like straight up evil. And I missed a part, it felt like. Yeah, because he is both fucked or wanted to fuck Winona and Doc. Right. I like As his we all do. bridge between <laughs> the heroes and the villain world. And yeah, it, it, his heel turn really didn't make sense. And just acting high, and that's the joke, is so fucking lame. That's what, what? made it felt Nickelodeon. Okay, so do you understand the Jeremy storyline and why we have it? I think the dude he hangs out with, I think was his boyfriend, I guess. Uh-huh. But his mind got wiped, so we forgot it. But instead of telling him that, Jeremy just like hangs around like a weirdo. Well, he also, when he was in the weird zone, forgetting his memory, uh, he also clawed his own face off. And That's pretty horrific. That's a lot of PTSD for Jeremy. Jeremy feels bad. Here's what fucking happened, and I hate this shit. They recast the actor. Oh. So Jeremy's old boyfriend moved on to a different show. They recast the actor. And then we had to spend the whole episode hearing about the, the in-show reasons for why he looks different. Just we don't remember what the guy looks like. <laughs> what, 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 I, I don't like this where people are like, we'll never recast or you have to come up with this. Like Aunt Viv yes. looked so different. And we all just went after an episode went, okay. At no point did they go, wow, Viv. Did you change your hair or something? Maybe they did. I don't remember. But like, you make one joke and move on. I mean, we didn't say anything when she started hanging out with that white Anglo-Saxon Protestant on the show Aunt Viv and the Wasp. We did His not. Mind. His mind. It's, it's an honor to witness. And then we see Jeremy poison his boss with almond and soy milk because this guy's allergic to literally everything. Uh, 
yeah, it's it was not good. Okay, it's okay. not so a good episode. One I misstep, was, and then the rest of the season's gonna be great. I was feeling bad. I really wanted to watch this one, so I feel thank you for validating me and not watching this one. It's a bummer. It was uh, not a great one, but I feel better about it. I feel was, confident in saying jump back next week, even though I have yeah. no idea what happened. Uh, <laughs> that like th- this is a rarity in your average Winona Earp season. Yeah, I could see that. Um, it wasn't a great episode, but do you guys have moments of the week? And I'll start with you, Mike. Uh, it's even though I don't understand the towny chili guy, it is hard not to laugh at the line. How could you? We cooked chili together. Like this was a, a <laughs> bond. Like they fought war in the trenches. Uh, so I liked that line. Uh, Ryan, what about you? I I think it's hard to pick a moment other than uh, Winona Earp is dressed like Britney Spears. <laughs> I didn't want to do that one. I won't so. go into detail why, but that's the moment. Ryan has no shame. You know he'll pick that. If you want to watch Winona Earp, it is Fridays on Sci-Fi. Our next show of the week is Batwoman. This week on Batwoman, Ryan's kryptonite poisoning worsens, worsens to the point of hallucination, and she decides to seek out Alice to kill her. Meanwhile, Tatiana fills in Alice on her missing time on Coriana. Tasty Butt, I ask you this. How does the show feel about Alice and her place in the world? It's, I guess it's not the show's fault that their most talented and charismatic actress they cast as the villain. But at this point, they have had her do so much shitty stuff, like horrific things, that it's hard. Like, Ryan wants to kill her. And the show's like, no, because Bat rules but she killed ryan's mom and like at no point can i see alice and ryan being on the same team even though that's where it kind of has to lead because of alice is going through like all these cool changes on her own Mm -hmm. we just need that show like they should just not meet for a while because it makes no sense they they, they, i think they shot themselves in the foot with alice's redemption because i don't think she's ever going to come back and just be able to be cool with ryan wilder yeah, and it wouldn't feel right if she does. That's why the week, or it's been two weeks, but the episode before where like they had the two storylines separate was working because you just got to see her develop on her own. So I can yeah. see how that would be annoying once they're interacting and trying to figure it out. I I did like uh, like an in-world like making fun of comic book thing was, so Ryan is hallucinating different people, and that's lame. But before she can kill Alice, her mom shows up and she's like this isn't how i raised you and blah 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 be better and so alice lets her go and then luke is like you know there's a big space between killing and apprehending like you didn't have to let her go (laughs) it wasn't kill her or let her go you could have arrested her because we do that as well and uh i i I, that is one of my biggest pet peeves in like the flashes the king of this is like well the bad guy said sorry bye and you just let this person off after they've murdered a bunch of people oh yeah did we get any any interaction between Ryan and uh, her girlfriend? I forgot her name. Angelique? I don't think that's it. She does. She shows up at Angelique's house, like, hallucinating and, and stoned out of her mind, uh, but in full Batwoman gear. Um. And Angelique is, one, in bed with somebody else, and it's just, like, very calm, like, I'll handle this. You go in the other room. And then beats the <laughs> shit out of Batwoman. Oh, uh, and knocks her off of a... Because Ryan, like... She can, she can barely stand, but she yeah. keeps stealing different bat vehicles throughout the episode, which is pretty funny. Uh, but and like kicks her off a balcony, so that's the most interaction we get between them. Okay, and then Cla- that's she- a classic move, guys. If there's like awkwardness in your relationship, get super fucked up on hallucinogens, put on a superhero costume, and go over to your just see girlfriend's house. <laughs> Got you. 
Did we get any resolution? Was she still twisted by the end of it on off of this poisoning? Because it's only the desert roads that can like cure her, right? Oh yeah, she's still twisted. Twisted. Like she's Love still it. like now they're trying to figure out. They're like, well, we need the desert rose, but and we need Kate. But if we get to Kate, then Alice will kill Kate. Like there's it's this very like I don't know. Should we? We should, but should we? Okay. Will they? Won't they? I gotcha. <laughs> Did you guys um, hear the big news this week? What? No. So next season's gonna be the last. But it looks oh. like that the CW has major plans for uh, Javika Lewis, right? Is that right? Ja- that's Wilder, right? Javika, yeah, that's right. Uh, Javisha Leslie. Um, that she's going to be like White Canary and Constantine, and just a mainstay in the universe, even if she's not starting her own show. That's oh, awesome, yeah. man. That's like that's how you make that lived-in universe feel. You just have them pop up wherever you feel like it. Yeah, and, and it sucks for the actors, but it's great for us. Yeah, <laughs> but I am excited to like see her. She's a character that I'll always be excited to see. I'm loving this Batwoman. Um, Mike, we're almost out of time though. Do you got a moment of the week? Yeah, it's so throughout most of this episode, Tatiana, who is uh, Lady Coriana's, I forget her actually name, Serendipity, Seraphia. Who doesn't matter? Tatiana's like the number two of this Assassin Island. Yeah, and uh, she's just like, isn't it assassination? Telling, assassination, yes. Uh, she's just or what Alex Alice calls Roman Pleasantville. Because what she does remember is super boring. Uh, so she's just filling her in with her and Ocean's backstory. And she's like, well, blah, blah, blah. Here's what. And then she's like, and she thinks Alice killed Ocean. And so Tatiana's like, ha, so you killed him. And Alice's response is like, "That wait, that's your big mic drop surprise? You killed your soulmate you can't remember? I found my mom's head in the freezer. You're going to have to do better than that. And that's the perfect kind of as like, I don't give a shit that I killed this man I loved. I don't actually remember that I loved him. Fuck you. (laughs) They seem to really get Alice and the actor herself. I still don't know if she licked the bell pepper on her own, but it's constantly what I think about every day. That bell pepper, man. (laughs) It's so good. All right, Batwoman is on Sundays on The CW. Our next show is Pennyworth. On this week's episode of Pennyworth, Alfred already has the money needed to go to America, but Thomas thought he was going to need some help with that, so he set him up with a high-paying job for him, which Alfred is not happy about. Alfred's task, which he chooses to accept, is to get Lucius from the Raven headquarters, where he has been undercover. We also get a political war going on uh, as Aziz turns Ripper and Crowley against each other, resulting in Ripper tripping balls on a fear toxin in front of the Queen and losing his position in the English League's council. Tastebuds, I ask you, if you were to meet the Queen, what drug would you want to be tripping on? Oh, man. I mean, just the drug of fame and beauty is what I would be tripping on right away. That PCP. That lovely queen. (laughs) I would do PCP with the queen. Oh, PCP. (laughs) I thought thought you said pissy P, some brand of P that's double P. (laughs) Double P, P. I'll be sure to put these plans into effect for when you guys meet the queen. I got that. If you want to watch Pennyworth, it's Sundays on Epics. Our next show is Superman and Lois. On the fourth episode of Superman and Lois, the general is in town to tell the Kent brothers that they are selfish assholes for taking up Superman's time. The general seems to be more of a dick because Kilgrave escaped during their attempt to transfer him to a more secure location. Clark goes full Superman, super dad, and super husband in this episode as he brings in Kilgrave while saving his kids from their powered-up, uncontrolled friend and then tops it off with a cute barn date for Lois. Speaking of Lois, she has gone full badass after confronting Edge in the mines and threatening to counter-sue his fancy ass and bring his past to light. Taste buds, I ask you, Clark was supposed to be struggling with these three roles, but he seems to have got it down in this episode pretty quickly. Does this seem fair, or does it seem on par with the tone of it and expectations of the show, or was it a bit of a letdown? 
Uh, he's goddamn Superman, Cassie. So yeah, he's going to struggle for a minute and then he's going to do fine. But he's not because Kilgrave got away, right? So now he does have to deal with his pseudo boss, definitely real pain in the ass father-in-law telling him he's a piece of shit. And that guy goes far enough to tell Superman's sons, don't count on your dad. Please, he, he, what he has to do is more important than when you need him, even though they're dealing with like metahuman stuff as well. But, yeah. but And I do love... This is what, like, Clark is like, you do not ever tell my sons that they can't rely on me. And then Lois tears into her dad. I know. I was waiting for that. I didn't know if they would ever give it. But it was, I'm glad that she finally got to be like, hey, you are trash. And we're actually trying to be good parents here. So go off. Um, uh, I, I want to say, because so, so now we're juggling villains, right? And I do like Kilgrave uh, in the comics and show is like, this dweeby little scientist for intergang. More things should use intergang. The gangs say, oh, you have Interpol? Then we will create intergang, an international gang force. And I like that kind of chutzpah from the gangs. But he is legit creepy. The the, the Professor Kale Grave from the show is a is a creep. Okay, because I think that like... <laughs> If you're going to have a name like Kilgrave, you shouldn't be as dweeby as this guy from the comics. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm Death Reaper. I'm John is- Death Reaper, and I'm a nerd. He's played by uh, the redhead from American Pie. He's uh, like, Sherman? Glad- Sherman, thank you. I'm glad you brought up a photo of him, because I did not know. Uh, now that I know the differences between these two Kilgraves, like seeing this guy, he's really good at playing that, like, calm creepiness where you know yeah. like you can't trust him and he doesn't go like over the top he's just that creepy white guy who like you can't trust and then uh comic book him is an absolute delight so <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad they went with this option i i do hope at some point we see the tv Kilgrave with a little bowl cut and Honestly. giant green sunglasses <laughs> <laughs> it was so good um we do have the kids are on their own little adventure on this episode though where we have uh they're trying to figure out what's going on with their friend uh who got powers from Jordan's uh like explosion. So we yeah, have like so a Jordan li- Jordan like when he lasered off it like hit a gas something in the coal mine and of course that means this kid now has earthquake powers in one arm. Yeah. Uh this feels so class this is Smallville ass superhero Smallville stuff. Yeah, I thought uh, we were getting like, weird, it. the like wall of weird with this, and I was so yes. excited. But um, we didn't. I don't know if it'll go full wall of weird, but we did get to see that w- that moment of like Clark having to deal with Kilgrave right then, while also getting the buzz from his sons that they mm-hmm. like have a real issue was like the perfect amount of tension. Like it, it hit more than I thought it was going to. And and the kids are doing better. That that Jonathan is both happy for and jealous of Jordan. When this tool bag, this like the older twin, like the more f- normally athletic twin, uh, I thought he was going to be just a doucher in the pilot. But mm-hmm. I think he's walking the line of all these different emotions surprisingly well. Yeah, he is the character. Like, I do get more surprised by him as this goes on for sure. Uh, what else do we got going on in this one? Oh, we got Lois taking on Edge. And like yeah. this one, like last week, we got a little taste of it. But this one was full out. I loved it. From you too? Yeah, Ed- yeah. Yeah. Huh. The band from Ireland. Uh Edge and Edge Edge has Lois meet him in a dark tunnel and she's like just goes never go to the dark tunnel with anybody, she- but like her uh her fuck you to Edge of like I'm kinda bored of the faux British accent billionaire at the football game trying to be relatable. Like she mm-hmm. gets Lois, this actress, and she's nailing it the more she's allowed to. 
Yeah. And I'm glad she's finally able to. But it was when she started that off, like she's saying like goodbye to Clark, you know, like I got stuff to do. And it's like, I'm meeting Edge in the mines. And I'm like, you cannot like don't (laughs) don't go to the fucking mines, Lois. What are you talking about? And the uh, Edge will crush you lady is back. We talked about last week how (laughs) Lois was walking out and like a rando who's just standing up, not at the board tables. Like he'll now she's back. So I do think she's like Edge's Mercy Graves. Like she's his number two assassin lady. Mm -hmm. And And she punches through a a rock wall at the end of this episode. So she definitely has powers of some sort. Yeah, there's something going on with her. And like, are you excited for for me? These two are the like bads that I care the least about at the moment. But yeah, for sure. Still with you too. Yeah. I didn't care. Like, it didn't add the fact that she has powers and everything. I was like, I don't really care about these two. It's fine. And yeah. the other character I don't care about that we're still getting is Kyle. And Kyle had a whirlwind of an episode because he, like, Lois went off on him for, because, um, oh, Edge, like, noticed La- Lois, not Lois, Lana. And, like, they had mm-hmm. to go to dinner and everything. And then she, she felt uncomfortable and was mad that, like, Kyle didn't see this. But then the very next episode, they're like basically banging at breakfast. So like, what a whirlwind for him. Yeah. And he is so surprised that she like touches his face. He is not used to (laughs) any sort of affection from Lana. And I understand they should just get divorced because he really, he's like, what? I didn't notice him flirting. And she's like, Kyle, what you don't notice could fill the fucking Superdome, my friend. Kyle, real quote. Kyle is the kind of guy who is built to be divorced. Like, yes, yes. Did he at any point in this episode uh, play guitar while barbecuing? Cause... No. <laughs> that is divorce dad energy for sure. <laughs> it's how I always see him, though. Um, we do have, I do got to talk about this because a uh, friend of the pod, Caitlin, if I don't mention this, she'll scream at me. Um, did you, how cute did you find that barn date at the end? Because if I could quote Caitlin, as soon as it popped on and we saw the lights in the barn, she said, Oh, fucking kill me. This is cute. So. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was very cute, and I do like because Lois is like you're juggling a lot, but not just since we've moved here. But I'm your lowest priority, and man, that is not what you want to hear in a marriage. Yeah, she said she was the lowest priority. Yeah, she's the lowest. He's like, yeah, you're my lowest. Yeah, your priority. What other priority would you be other than my lowest priority? Uh, and then right at the end, we do get the general um, initiating some protocol, which is definitely going to be against Clark. So. Yeah, it really feels like, oh, you're not doing what I say now because you want to take care of your kids? I'll fucking murder you, son-in-law. <laughs> like, <laughs> he gets He's continuously a bigger bitch each time. Oh, we're almost out of time, though, so Mike, do you have a moment of the week? Lois, I don't have any of like her exact quotes written down, but her ripping into her dad for not just being like an overly involved grandpa now that it's convenient for him, but what a bad dad he was her whole life mm-hmm. was just snaps, girl. It was great. Yeah. And I'm glad we got it. Like, what is this? Like the fourth episode? It was so yeah. good. Uh, my moment of the week is Jordan and Sarah talking about like how lost their brother Jonathan seemed at the party. Cause now this cool mm-hmm. guy isn't the cool guy. So he's like this nerd wandering around trying to see what's going on with his friend and the two of them chatting, like, do we need to save him? And like all this stuff, like it just felt like real high school nonsense. I well, loved yeah. it. My advice for Jonathan is to walk up to groups that are already talking in the middle of a joke and then just laugh even though you don't know what they're talking about. No, that's the worst <laughs> advice. Don't do it. Uh, don't. Did friend of the show Caitlin hear the big new, the other big CW news from this week? I don't think so. Uh, apparently, the CW was working on continuing Superman and Lois and then also bringing Tom Welling back for a Smallville revival and having both shows on at the same time. 
don't do what? this to me. Well, she is going to cry as soon as I pass that on. Uh- <laughs> it's so weird to have two different versions of Superman at the same age on. Not yeah. like in the Adventures of Superboy, but like, how's this Superman deal with being a father? <laughs> It'll be very interesting. Um, if you want to watch Superman and Lois, it, Lois, it is on Tuesdays on the CW. Our next show is The Flash. This week on The Flash, the Ava venture concludes as the Mirror Mistress replaces Sue and Ralph with Mirror Duplets. Ralph poochies off the show by becoming a puddle in a bucket and then going to flight black hole around the world. Meanwhile, Harrison reminds Barry he's the paragon of love, so love, not speed, will in fact save everybody. Taste buds, I ask you this. What would you be the paragon of? Oh. <laughs> uh, I think I think speed, right? My weren't you screaming PCP before? Yeah. We could do that. So I'm the paragon of speed? Yeah. Or you are. Yeah. I don't know I just what do all the speed. I don't fully know what paragon mean is, but I feel like Ryan would have to be puns because his broken mind just The Paragon can't. of Puns. There it you means go. you're you're like the focal point for all of that emotion or power or entity in the universe okay i don't know i don't know what shit talking you're shit talking right now but i will say that i do have two copies of uh the david fincher movie starring ben affleck based on the jillian flynn novel two copies of that so yeah i'm a paragon girl right here in my hand (laughs) there he is showing it off his skill witness it um if you want to witness the flash it is on tuesdays on the cw our next show it (laughs) <laughs> don't do Just it though don't do it. it's wild um next show is black lightning uh so mike has not seen what we're doing next week on uh, this week's episode of black lightning jefferson crosses a line with lynn meanwhile anissa shares some important news lastly tobias makes a surprising move by the way guys uh the daughter who we talked about who was leaving the show uh-huh she got fucked up in a super battle and it changed her face they explained the recasting yet again. There we go. But my question is, uh, uh, Tobias makes a surprising move. What would be the most surprising place you could move to right now? What is the place where we would go, what? Anchorage, Alaska. Okay. <laughs> uh, Arizona. I'll say Atlantis. Oh. I would be surprised if you moved to Atlantis. I'll, hey, you found, you found that would the make one. me go, What? <laughs> Uh, Black Lightning is on Mondays on the CW. Our next show is Riverdale. On this week's episode of Riverdale, Cheryl is going through some things, namely her (laughs) former love starting a thruple family. So she decides to do the most Cheryl thing possible, host a key party. So all of the Riverdale kids become swingers, which will make for a ton of drama, especially two-thirds of Tony's thruple, proving that they don't have what it takes to make a family. Taste Buds, I ask you this. Did a key party probably one of the greatest ideas to ever hit the Riverdale writer's room, deliver. The minute two of the first couples of pick keys bailed, I was like, oh, so you have no guts, Riverdale. (laughs) (laughs) The first two were like, oh, we're going home now, bye. There was a Which, in all honesty, is what would happen. Unless me and Mike picked each other's keys, that is what we would do. (laughs) (laughs) There was a season one episode of Riverdale where I think everybody finally got together and it was just like, I can't believe you can show this on CW steaminess, cutting back and forth between everybody fucking. Yes. That's, if they were brave, we would get an adult version of that. But I guess Riverdale writers aren't into showing adults have sex. Well, so. What would be awesome is if we had some new character, like uh, Pop's daughter or granddaughter, yeah, uh, walking through Cheryl's house, eyes wide shut style, as Riverdale <laughs> bears are just all over the place, origin out. Also, yeah, and I, I don't know how key parties work, because I wasn't alive in the 70s, but 
they're all like even the ones that are successful quote unquote grab the keys and leave cheryl has this giant weird either sad dowager and or fuck mansion grab a random room and do your keying in there do your keying go do your <laughs> every keys wo- every word of that sentence <laughs> i could not <laughs> i could not believe how pathetic and watered down this was the closest they got to interesting was reggie pulled fangs Re- and and uh, yes reggie pulled fangs and Oh, sorry. I interrupted because I was excited to keep talking. That's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Tell us what happened. He kisses Fangs immediately and goes, hey, no promises, but we, we'll see what happens. Like, Reggie is straight, but he's just like, yeah, whatever, man. Key parties, right? And then, like, 10 minutes later, it cuts to Fangs at his kitchen table eating cereal, just going, Reggie's straight. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> That's all that happened. Otherwise, uh, you know, Archie got paired with uh, Veronica Betty. and... Oh, yeah, Veronica first. And then, yeah, and then got paired with Betty, and everybody, and then Jughead got paired with Pop's uh, granddaughter, and it all worked out, and uh, but, Cheryl got paired with Tony. Well, because, yeah, because she's manipulative, but, like, can we talk about how nuts, like, Cheryl's always nuts, but how unhinged she is. She's mad about the pregnancy. Bitch, you haven't talked in the six years. Like, I, I think you you're not allowed to be mad that your high school <laughs> flame has moved on with their life and owes you goddamn anything. Also, which is kind of what Tony says to her. A couple more Cheryl moves. Um, yeah, of course, Tony, I manipulated it so you would see that the two parts of your thruple aren't going to work out. <laughs> I mean, of course I did. I'm telling you that. I did that right now. Also, uh, Tony, I've made a nursery for your baby in my haunted mansion, and the nursery <laughs> is exactly as haunted as the rest of the mansion. What's, <laughs> what's, what's wrong with this? Why are you not happy? And Tony's just like, I just need a goddamn friend right now. I wasn't leading you on. I'm sorry you took it that way. And Cheryl holds on. like, <laughs> <laughs> she She's un, uncomebackable. Oh, really? Like, You're putting the, I, the stamp of Alice on her? And they're going to act like, nah, Cheryl just went through a thing. But like, she's too far gone to, to be part of, really part of the group anymore. Oh, that it's, makes me so she's, sad. Nobody wants to hang out with Miss Havisham, man. It's insane. I would say both Cheryl and Tony are too far gone. They're a pair of gone girls. <laughs> like what you own. I, how do you like about that uh, Jughead has gotten so drunk, the entire key party is like, oh, buddy. Yeah. We are obviously not going through anything. He te- that's not why we're here. So uh, Pop's daughter or granddaughter, we should figure that out at some point, uh, <laughs> it clearly it clearly has a crush on him and also cares about him in a way where, like, I don't want you to be self-destructive, so maybe don't go to that key party. And Jughead's response is, Fu- I'm fucking going. I'm going to get shit fucked as fast as possible. She obviously asks him out on like a date. She's like, no, we could go to the movies or you and me could go to dinner or you and me. Like she's always like she's laying it on there without just saying I'm into you. And he goes like, no, I want to bang a bunch of people I knew from high school. <laughs> Shit face. <laughs> like, What a wild episode. Uh, any big points or are you guys good for moments of the week? Yeah, I mean, uh, I wish it was wild, you know? Like, it had yeah. all the promise to be wild, and it just absolutely we're, was not. We're trimming it. We're editing it so it sounds wild. <laughs> yeah, because these parts, the highlights of it, sounds del- delightful. Uh, two, two things that are not my moment of the week, but I do think we want to talk. I do like that. He does it for some reason to get under Archie's skin, but Chadwick does make a good point, and he goes, how is everybody in this small town so yeah. goddamn hot? <laughs> when he shows up at the key party. But I loved Archie's response. It's rare that I will talk about KJ Appa's acting skills, but uh, he says that with that smirk, that fucking Chadwick smirk, and uh, Archie just sort of like smiles that one particular smile and then uh, 
like doesn't break eye contact as he walks away. I thought that, that was a very demeaning smile. Yeah. But it's also like, it, yeah, that was good acting. And I liked that for Archie. But it's also like, dude, you're at a fuck party. I don't know if you can get annoyed yeah. that he's objectifying everybody at the fuck party. I came, I came here to bang some random person that I'm told to bang. How dare you be so crude as to say Ugh. that? <laughs> but you're going to be attracted to them. And that, that when Chad gets upset that Ronnie picks Archie, uh, Veronica says, those are the rules. Don't be rude. <laughs> It's so important. You can't be rude at a key party. Uh, we are about out of time, though. So, Ryan, do you got a moment of the week? I'm going to reverse it. I'm going to do least moment of the week. I, mm. uh, Archie and Betty break off their fuck buddy thing while Archie and Veronica plan to continue. The whole premise of the comic book of this love triangle we got for an episode and a half. I thought that we jumped ahead so they could do it. They didn't do shit with it. Archie tells Veronica about him and Betty, and she's like, cool, pass the pass. It was the biggest fucking nothing of all time. It's so weird that they decided the only thing anybody knew about the comic is something they they would not do ever, which is the love triangle. Like, it's bananas. And I liked him, and him and Betty do work, and both of them like, we would never work. (laughs) Okay. I would rather see my version of the love triangle where if you take the instrument, the triangle, and you put you fill it with enough Vaseline so that it like makes a big wall of Vaseline in it, that's the ultimate love triangle, I think. I'm so sorry everybody had to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my moment of the week, it felt like Riverdale poking fun of itself, is uh, Cheryl when she's giving the rules of the key party. She says, because we are a progressive, fluid, inclusive group, there will be no switching of keys. And I was just like, yeah, <laughs> everybody's getting crazy. Man, Riverdale is still somewhat wild, though. Uh, if you want to watch it, it's on Wednesdays on The CW. Our next show is The Walking Dead. On this week's The Walking Dead, it's side mission time as Gabe and Aaron stumble upon an unmarked warehouse that houses a locked up boar and a Terminator knockoff who loves to play a saw-like game of Russian roulette. Gabe plays his game, takes a chance to preach to him, and then finally bashes his head in with the dude's own club hand. Taste buds, I ask you, can you believe that description was for The Walking Dead and not Riverdale? No, yeah, that just sounds so much more Riverdalian than Walking Dead-esque. Honestly, it was like, I was like, oh, side mission time, and then it went off on everything that happened. They went for full saw, it's wild. Oh, if you want to watch it, it is on Sundays on AMC. Our next show is Snowpiercer. This week on Snowpiercer, 1,034 cars long, Wilford sends Icy Bob to sabotage the engine of Snowpiercer, which means Leighton and co. have to give up control of the train to save everybody. Roach and his family end up in the drawers, Leighton's in cuffs, and LJ and Oz kiss? Taste buds, I ask you this. uh, When the fate of humanity is on the line and everybody's betraying each other, do we care that these two janitor douchebags are kissing? Mm, Probably not, but somewhat. Like I want to be in a world where I do, but probably not. It they're they're not big enough characters since like the the first season, and LJ was the rich girl who mm-hmm. her parents are dead. Okay, and yes. then now she's a janitor, and Oz was Till's partner as like a lower cop, okay. and is now a janitor. But they the, the way like the camera zoomed in on them, it's like oh, isn't it great that even amongst all this craziness, these crazy kids can find love? And like I don't give a shit. I don't understand. It felt like they deleted a scene. Suddenly, Leighton's just in cuffs because he gave Wilford control of the train. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I would rather have them explain that little gap than have these two kids kiss. Man. It, what else? Anything else big happen or are they really bring it home with the kiss? 
Uh, so I mean, so Roach is like the head brakeman mm-hmm. who like the guy with the, the twirly mustache and he's bald. His wife is like, "Go team Wilford, man. Let's betray Leighton." And Roach is like, "Leighton's a pretty good dude. I, I don't like he's fully team Leighton." Uh, and then by the end, his wife who said, "Go team Wilford," his daughter and him all get thrown in the drawer jail, and he's just like, ah, "I should have fought harder. Shouldn't have listened." Uh, and then Josie, this is my moment of the week. So Josie wakes up and learns she now has uh super skin like Icy Bob. So she's going to be the next ice zombie of Snowpiercer, 1034 card long. If so Snowpiercer that- is a reality competition show, which sometimes it is, I don't know how many like survivor like shows you guys have watched, but are the Leightons usually the first to get kicked out? The ones that are sort of like thoughtful and balanced and yes, that's who you get rid of, right? Yeah. yeah, and and Wilfred in this, he's like, you don't know how to fix this part of the engine. What thinks you can run the train? I'm like, you don't know how to deal with people. What thinks you can run the train? <laughs> Fucking Wilfred. <laughs> Boom, you're roasted, Wilfred. Uh, if you want to watch Snowpiercer, it is on Mondays on TNT. Our final show of the week is Resident Alien. On this week's Resident Alien, Harry, Aston, and Darcy are stuck in a crevasse and have to make it out before a big storm hits. Asta finds out about Harry being an alien after the two fall deeper into the crevasse. And she has to patch up his leg. Meanwhile, Darcy is climbing up the glacier with one motherfucking broken arm. In between these tense moments, we cut to the mayor who is trying to forcefully order food for his wife at their anniversary dinner. Taste buds, I ask you, (laughs) do you know anyone who could be as calm as Asta while digging in an alien's teeth-covered, prolapsed anus of a chest as Asta was? It made me realize that it was very important to make Asta's character a nurse because yeah. <laughs> not not only do you have that uh that calmness around uh you know uh body horror and emergencies, oh, yeah. Horror. But also the whole do no harm thing, you know? Like I have to overcome my scared shitlessness about the fact that I'm witnessing aliens and help this person. It it was great, man. She she is so good. Their two hander scenes in the crevasse. Crevasse. Uh, ca- was, I, was we have to that's it for that for that word on this show like never again <laughs> so it was so emotionally hard-hitting in a way that like it's fun that this show can keep surprising us like they, they nailed all of their emotional beats and then darcy got her own like 127 hours thing she thought she was gonna die went no i can't just like all of the, these the big now big three are all crushed this episode it's important yeah. to i think it's important to note that uh, uh asta's feeling at her least human you know like how could she do the in her mind how could she do these despicable things like lie to her daughter um where uh, harry is sort of revealing that the main reason he believes in humans and humanity is asta and who she is you know and have, watching all of that come to a head uh yeah. is what made it all so important as far as uh what's her name darcy uh yeah. the previously on was darcy explaining oh i got in a huge uh ski accident and shattered my leg and so I guess that was to set us up for the fact that she breaks her uh, limbs in snow time. Like, yeah. and now she breaks her arm. She's like Omega Red. The cold <laughs> is her weakness. My coils! <laughs> the It was insane. Like, the I felt this episode did surprisingly well with, like, this tension. And the fact that, like, you could tell the sci-fi budget on this. Like, you could see the, like, green screen and everything. But their acting was just so off the charts and their, like, dynamic that, like, it did not hurt it at all. Not just the green screen, but Asta, like, trying to cool uh, Harry off with a, like, because he's turning into an alien as yeah, as right. they speak. And she's sort of, like, wiping his face down. She's like, oh, it's working. It's coming right off. Look at yeah. that. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, I blanked out. So let's switch over to the to the the, the mayor. This is has been told. This is a fucking TV thing, right, guys? Do yeah. Only on TV do men like demand to order for like. Is that a, a thing that any significant other has ever liked in the history of time? No, and I think his wife points that out. <laughs> and they, as they confuse the waiter, because he's like, no, she'll have the chicken piccata. And she's like, oh, that's sweet. No, it never is. Uh, I'll have the lamb. And he went, no, you'll have the chicken piccata. And she's like, no, I'm ordering for both of us now. Yeah, and then to watch him try to eat escargot because he wanted to be an adult. Like, it was wild to go from these two moments, like people dying in this glacier to him just like trying Dying to in be- a marriage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they sh- they they so obviously shouldn't be married, but I do like so he cuts his lip on a escargot shell. I don't think that's really how escargot works, but uh, <laughs> and then goes to sit next to her because he's just comparing his horrible anniversary date to the deputy's rocking date mm-hmm. in the other corner, and because they're sitting next to each other to do that, she's like, "Oh, you you cut your lip, you're bleeding," and he his oh, you won't kiss my blood. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> okay. What a weird thing to be insulted about. <laughs> No show, bats a thousand. Uh, the stuff in the crevasse was all very good. Uh, it was tense and character building. Uh, this was all just bullshit. Like this was this yeah. was awful, stupid shit. Uh, we don't. Maybe we needed more time to spend with the mayor and his wife before we cared about a scene, but we did yes. not get that. Um, so fuck that whole part of the episode. Every yeah. time we've seen them, it's just clear they need a divorce. <laughs> like You don't always got to stick together for the kids. It's okay. You can end it. The kid already knows and is expecting Max it. Max wants a divorce <laughs> yes. from them. Everybody wants it. He wants um, a divorce from them? Yeah, yes. he wants to be emancipated <laughs> and wants them to get divorced. I do want to talk about the timing of Asta finding out about Harry's big secret of being an alien. Do you feel like this was the right timing? Like, are you happy to have her know this secret? Or did you want it like to hide it a bit more? I mean, the other big news this week from the CW is they reported that Sci-Fi did renew it for a season two. Um, sometimes these first seasons, when they're a little bit nervous, it, they put the pedal to the metal as far as plot goes. But we talked about this early on, like at the second or third episode of Resident Alien, where like they're not fucking around, and it's it seems like that although it's a it's a comedy, right? It's one of the funnier shows that we watch. Uh, every episode will be different than the last episode. You know, they right. they've got those like those plot nuts to like change things. And this was a fucking big one and I it seemed organic to me, I guess. Yeah, we've dealt with so many secret identity shows that last way too long. I'd rather deal with this. So Max knows and Max's friend knows and now asked it like that Harry has proved himself to be a good being. So he is earning people's like and now it's going to be his and Asta's secret, and so we're going to get like three's company style shenanigans instead of him dealing with it alone. For sure. And then the other thing they have to deal with now is, uh, I, I think this is the route that they're going to take: is how long do we have Asta come to terms with the fact that she's in love with an alien, and uh-huh. is she grossed out by having sex with him with his little arms <laughs> and teethy? <laughs> what did you say? Prolapsed anus of a of a chest, chest cavity, mm-hmm. and her dad knows. Oh yeah, because uh, yeah. <laughs> I do like he walks in and ha- Harry's in his freezer and he just goes, "Oh hell no," and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> but remember that the whole time he's uh, like, as soon as he saw that, he was like, "I knew what he's thinking because he's a dude." Is I knew I was right. It's not the yeah. shock of seeing an alien. It's I knew there was something weird about him, and I was totally right. Somebody give me a high five. <laughs> Um, we do, that's about all the big stuff for this. Um, how long do you think until, like, I do feel bad for Darcy, because, like, she straight up 
climbed out and saved him with one arm. And then they left her at the hospital when they, like, <laughs> she went to go grab somebody to help him. And they just dipped out. I think some interpersonal drama might happen in the next episode because yeah, of that choice. It's got to. But I want to know. I am interested to see how long they keep this secret from her. Um, and that's our next one. But um, Can I do a, a super hot take? Super hot prediction? Let's go. Because Darcy's sort of flailing now, right? Like, Darcy, I don't ha- know if she has any direction whatsoever. Uh, do, uh, do you think by the end of season two, Darcy and the mayor are together? Oh, because there was stuff set up there? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> would... I'm not Ryan. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so close. One day you'll get there. Uh, we're almost out of time, though. So, Ryan, do you get a moment of the week? Uh, I think that my moment of the week is um, it, the whole chopping off of the leg is great, but um, it's I think that the sort of funny but mostly like heartbreaking and intriguing moment is Asta just handing Harry his little uh, green ball or like the little glowy <laughs> tool and Harry not knowing if he actually as a person wants it, you know, like she hands yeah. it to him and he's like, oh, you shouldn't in his head. You shouldn't have done that. That. That sucks for you and humanity. Um, you know, and I think that it's so obvious for Resident Alien to be a show about somebody who is not a human growing humanity. And they have, it's been overwrought at times, you know, the, sometimes the narration gets a little overwritten. But the little moments like that, I think, sell it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Mike, what about you? Uh, I have two. Uh, one is Harry's line. I had 343 children and never worried about any of them, but now I can't stop thinking about number 62. Oh, sweet 62. <laughs> it is so Harry. adorable. Uh, and then in the intro, so the intro goes through the how to be a human pamphlet. The, I want to call this one out because it shows, like with a check mark, you crack an egg, uh, a chicken's egg, and put that in a frying pan. You do not take a newborn human baby and put that in a frying pan. <laughs> and that, that tickled me. It's all the important things to know. Uh, my moment of the week is when Darcy is making her, like, if I'm found dead video. Um, she mentions that uh, she shit. She apologizes to the sheriff for shitting in his car because she thought it was. She was shitting in a racist car, but it ended up being his. <laughs> and, like, the fact that it was such a sad moment of her saying this goodbye, but then they still let her have that, I thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, you should be watching Resident Alien. It is on Wednesdays on the Sci-Fi. And we've done it, you guys. That was the last show. We've covered everything. We've done it. Way to go, it, team. Is that the longest pull list, Mike, that Cassie... I think it's the one that longest that she's ever gone through. But is it the longest yes. she ever will go through? No. <laughs> That's so <laughs> insane. What are we doing? Insane. Absolutely insane. Uh, we'll see how big it gets next week because we do have a big episode, which I will tell you about later next week. First, Mike, tell me about websites. Yourpopfilter.com is where everything we create lives. Uh, and dies. All the podcasts and dies. Uh, you can also go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Bookmark that. That's how you shop through Amazon and it helps us. If you want to help us out more directly, go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter and get a bunch of extra tent every single week. And you can also go to ratethispodcast.com slash superhero and that'll just rank it on literally every option it gives you to to rank rate the show. Gotta rate it. It's so good. Uh, Ryan, can you tell us about the other shows? We have so many other shows. If you like the vibe of this, but wish there was less Cassie, that's such a bad... Who wants that? Like, that's such a bad <laughs> way to pitch it. Uh, if you want Greg... No, that doesn't work either. And if you want uh, movie talk instead of TV talk, uh, make sure that you subscribe to Movie of the Year, where me, Mike, and Greg 
try to figure out the single greatest movie of any given year, bracket style, just like college basketball does. Or if you want much less me and Mike, that's a better way to pitch things, and you want more of Cassie, then subscribe and rate and review The Unnatural 20s, where Cassie and her two... No, not two best friends. Her third and fourth ranked best friends. <laughs> uh, roll the dice to see how they get through their 20s. Thank you. And uh, Mike, the CW announced that we have social media this week. Can you tell us about that? Did you hear yeah, about big that? Big news. They're, they're renewing our social media accounts on Twitter and on Instagram at your pop filter. Go there to find all sorts of announcements from CW, <laughs> announcements on our new shows, our random thoughts in the middle of the night about pop culture, and uh, our hot take on that Oprah interview. <laughs> Everybody wants to know our hot take on it. The CW did leave out, though. We do have an email. It's contact at your pop filter. If you're a fan of the Snyder Cut and you want to go tell us why it's good, go ahead and email us. Um, contact at your pop filter. Next week, I teased it. We do have an episode. It's going to be still a big one. <laughs> yeah, you did tease that we are recording next week. We, breaking news here. The CW hasn't heard this yet. I get to break oh, it. Just so everybody episode. fucking knows, I will never mention the CW having a news report again. <laughs> Fuck all y'all. Well, they had like five throughout the episode. It's not you. I'm glad you brought all the announcements to us and we wouldn't have known. I'm just like, the CW popped off this week and I'm proud of them. And I'm proud of you for reading all the articles. Uh, next week, we are talking about The Flash for some reason. I know Mike's going to be excited about it. And then, of course, more Justice League. Uh, be sure to tune in for that. For Mike, I'm Ryan. For Ryan, I'm Mike. For me, I am me. Bye, everyone. Bye.